I'm sitting here in my underwear messing with the audio jack. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 121. My name is CJ Schrader and with me, as almost always, is one of my co-hosts. First off, we got Brian Prilliman. Hello, interwebs. Hey, uh, Jess was not able to join us today because he is at GP Vegas. But it's only Tuesday, man. No, I did not expect that. <laughs> but there's a lot of judges who are up there right now already. Because that See, event is seeing be uh, Penn and Teller shows and or doing things with large boxes. Yeah, one of those two sounds way better. Yes, I've, I've seen I've seen some of the photos of, of, of the prep that they're doing that uh, they're staging up uh, uh, for release via the Twitter account, the Magic Judges Twitter account. And the size of things is impressive. Hey, at least they have the uh, the stuff now instead of Thursday like last time. Oh, yes. So <laughs> this this might be something that that many of you are not aware of at the last GP Vegas uh the truck of modern masters got sent to the wrong state. Uh, so I think it was Thursday morning when they were expecting the truck to arrive so they could start unpacking everything. No truck arrived. Uh, it arrived Friday. So while a lot of you people were in lines and ready and you know wondering why there was such huge delays, it was because uh, – we lost a whole day of prep because the product went to uh, like four states over. <laughs> so uh, actually, a uh, card advantage had a really good episode about that um, not too long ago, but that's another podcast. They're a competitor. And speaking of competitors, we have one of our very own competitors on here today, at least as far as I'm concerned. Oh, driving with judges? N- no, oh. a real competitor. We have David oh. Green. <laughs> Hey, everyone. <laughs> hey, David. Hey, uh, what's up? Why are you trying to shut us down? Uh, I'm, I'm not doing anything. That's all, Richard. Okay. okay. So play along, man. Who are you? <laughs> and then what do you what do you do? Uh, as you mentioned, I'm David Green. I'm a level two judge from Orlando, Florida. And for the longest time, I couldn't actually judge things. So instead, I just did Judge's Corner videos for Gathering Magic. And what is Judge's Corner videos for Gathering Magic? Those are educational rules videos that uh, we put out to kind of like teach players some of the cool interactions of certain rules, some of the corner casey stuff, and some of the more general rules for uh, regular and a little bit of competitive magic. So you guys, you guys are you you see these videos on GatheringMagic.com, and you can find them on YouTube. Correct. Correct. So how many episodes have you guys done? I think we're somewhere close to the 80s. I don't know. I've lost track. We've been doing it for about two years now. Okay, cool. Jeez. So are you having fun doing that? Or can you can you talk a little bit about the work that goes into preparing one of those? Are you ready to retire? Oh, uh, that, yeah, that's actually crossed my mind a couple of times. Can we um, burn it down and collect the insurance money? <laughs> you might be able to. My new job's kind of doing that for you. Uh, yeah, for the longest time, I worked a, a night job that had some free time that allowed me to write the scripts. So I spent a couple of hours researching some topics, putting together some neat stuff, looking for questions that players had asked and seeing if I could answer it in more of an interesting way or more easily to digest way um, or absorb or gather, take in the information. 
So um, the scripts t- don't take too long to write, but uh, filming takes about maybe an hour, an hour and a half. I'm sure editing takes a day or two. I don't do that side, so I don't really know. And uh, that's the typical process. Then we get a bunch of emails telling me I screwed something up, and we fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how many um, how many uh, 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 viewers do you have on a for a typical typical episode? Uh, I've noticed a normal episode breaks about a thousand within, within like the or I'm sorry, uh, ten thousand within the first about one to two weeks. Uh, some of the older videos I've noticed getting up to about thirty thousand views, and uh, they seem to like stabilize around fifteen to twenty thousand. Hmm. I'm not. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't have any problems with those numbers. How many views do you guys or listeners do you guys get? We got we got enough. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. You're jealous of me. I'm jealous of like Tolarian Community College. So, you know, everybody's got somebody else they're looking up to. You haven't heard of them before? No. They're they do like product reviews for magic supplies and products. Oh. On YouTube? Yeah, they get like mm. hundreds of thousands of views. Oh, well, speaking of views and GP Vegas, so this episode is about the Modern Masters <laughs> 2, which has come out. What is the official name? Modern Masters 2015? Yes. Uh, that has come out recently, and there are release notes for it, and we thought it might be a good idea to cover some of this garbage before GP Whoa, Vegas. Oh, hold on. Garbage? Some of this good information before okay. gp vegas yes so we're gonna we're gonna be going over some of the mechanics we're going to be going over some of the cards uh less of the cards than we normally do because there's a lot of mechanics and uh i'm really excited to talk about this this special insert card that they've got it's it's uh it's got a magic a regular magic back it's full black except it says the words discard on it <laughs> just the word discard that's all it says so that's that's a uh an artless thought sees right it's whatever you want it to be i'm really confused is this a real thing What's yeah they okay yeah. so yeah so they've, <laughs> they've, they've opened some packs of modern masters and they've they've found uh in the place of either a foil or a common i forget which but it's it's a card with a magic back but the front solid black except the word discard in white letters across the front Weird. some of them have the rare holographic stamp on them too which are pretty cool looking hmm Weird. So it's 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 your thought sees. Yeah. Your huh. your artless thoughts. Artless, nameless, mana costless thought sees. They used to be just blank cards. I don't know why they're doing discard. I bet that eats up a bunch of toner, but eh, whatever. Hmm. Well, speaking of toner, let's uh get diving right into these abilities. <laughs> you, you, you are awful at segways. <laughs> nothing. Just try to go back to form. I have an affinity for them. Oh. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, let's start diving into this list of abilities, and, and hopefully we can have some people come into uh, GP Vegas prepared. You know, it's a little tough because all of these abilities um, more or less were either around when I was playing or uh, were there, like, shortly before. But, geez, we've had, what, a million new judges since five years ago? So there could yeah. be a lot of people who had never seen this. And a lot of these are things that were pre, at least pre-us judge cast. Yeah. Well, Affinity, Affinity itself is 12 years old. Yeah. And we yeah. probably covered some of these in our last Modern Masters episode. You, th- you think about that. There are sixth graders right now that were not around when Affinity was around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> there, are, there are people yelling obscenities at you on Call of Duty that were not alive when Affinity was uh, uh, was printed. Let's talk about what Affinity does. Oh, it's like, so, let's talk about obscenities on Call of Duty. <laughs> oh, I've heard some good ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so Affinity is an ability... Apparently my parents have never, were never married. <laughs> Your mom has done some very, very uh, filthy things. I've been told that I am both a homosexual and, in less polite terms, and that the man is stealing my girlfriend. Um, which I found contradictory, but he didn't want to hear that. Um, <laughs> Wait, so you wanted to argue logic with the twelve-year-old? <laughs> All right, right, affinity. We need to we need to tell you how to properly insult somebody. Here it needs to be internally consistent. <laughs> um, <laughs> affinity. So affinity is always going to be written as affinity for something, um, usually artifacts. But there's also affinity for islands, uh, affinity for slivers, I wish. Affinities uh, yeah. for a certain level three judge. Yeah, affinities for prelimans. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but the uh, all affinity does is, is it reduces the cost of the spell you're casting by one for each whatever you control. So once again, usually artifacts. This is, um, this is only um, by control. It means on the battlefield, you know, sitting right there. Uh, not too different from devotion in that in that way. Uh, this is a cost reduction. It means it can't be responded to. So say I have frog might, which is a four mana cost spell. Yes. Yes. It has affinity for artifacts. Uh, if I cast it and I had three artifacts out, so I cast it for one mana and then someone destroys one of my artifacts. Well, I've already cast the spell, so you can't really respond to the cost reduction. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, the other important part about affinity is it only reduces the generic mana costs. It doesn't. It doesn't actually change the uh, converted mana cost of the spell. So that the converted mana cost of that frogmite is always four mana. Uh, I hope frogmite is in Modern Masters. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yes. But I'm, I'm about to bring up a card that I don't believe is. It's. Uh, I think it's Correct Clan Ironworks. Uh, it's a card that uh, lets you sacrifice an artifact to uh, to get mana. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up is if you remember from our episode where we talk about the sepsis casting a spell, the cost is locked in before you activate mana abilities and pay costs. So if you have three artifacts, okay, Frogmite is going to cost one. If you have something that lets you sacrifice an artifact for mana, including itself, uh, then you can you can do that. And your frog, and you will still be able to. You still get the cost reduction for the frog mite because it's already been taken into account. <clears throat> cool. Uh, also, <laughs> yes, where where it reduces the generic mana, it doesn't change the converted mana cost. Uh, uh, it will still. It let's say um, you had two artifacts and bring uh, frog mites converted mana cost down to uh, two. You mean uh, mana cost? Sorry, it's mana cost down to two. Uh, spell Snare will not get it because Spell Snare gets cards with a converted mana cost of two. Uh, however, if you have four artifacts, Frogmite's free, it can <laughs> be hit by Nyx. Nyx. <laughs> Nyx, which counters a spell if no mana was paid for it. <laughs> Going deep. Many of these cards are not in Modern Masters. I know, I know, but still. Uh, you know, rules, Black Lotus and Rules Nerds. Frogmite while we're at it. Rules Nerds. They care. That 
Black Lotus could cast Frogmite on its own. Yeah. 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 That, 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 that simplifies best. it. We don't have to throw out. Everyone yeah. knows what Black Lotus is. Nobody knows what Iron Clag Crag works or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. but at least Iron Crag, Iron Clan, uh, Clan work, work, whatever that card was. <laughs> um, Crack Clan Iron Works, that was in the same block as Frogmite, so it was played in Limited. Boom. Oh, got me there. You got yeah, unless annihilated. You're playing, unless you're playing like the most expensive uh, chaos draft ever, you're never going to have Black Lotus and Frogmite in the same <laughs> draft pool at the same time. I said David got annihilated there. Ah, uh, ha ha ha. That's the segue to Annihilator. <laughs> this is why I don't do them anymore. This is why I don't do them. Why should I even do them? Podcast pros. They're not even appreciated. Hey, he's used to YouTube videos. If he doesn't have a script that says, now we transition to yeah. Annihilator. And a fancy, oh, yeah, like, graphic. really strange for me. And it's like, Annihilator. And then, actually, it's usually like a woman's voice would be like, Annihilator. And then, now we talk about Annihilator. What? Brian, please talk about Annihilator. Okay, so Annihilator is an ability that appears uh, exclusively on the Eldrazi, which are the big colorless monstrosities from Rise of the Eldrazi. Um, So Annihilator is a triggered ability. It is um, uh, uh, templated as Annihilator X. Okay, which means uh, whenever this creature attacks, defending player sacrifices in permanence. Um, so, or X permanence. I changed my variable letters. Yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this happens uh, immediately on attacking. Okay. So killing the Eldrazi after it attacks doesn't stop the trigger. However, I want to point out Miss Trigger Policy. All right. Um, so if you attack with your Eldrazi. Okay, and your opponent's like, well, I start to block. You go, whoa, 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 sacrifice them guys. Okay, if he's like, oh, well, I block, 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 and you go, okay, oh, and now sacrifice your guys. Well, no, that's 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 too late. Okay, so uh, please communicate, swing, and then annihilate you or something. In you know, say, do not let your opponent progress past that point that uh, 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 the attackers being uh, the attackers attacking without sacrificing things because I suspected the GP they're gonna try yeah because if there's just like and and remember with the mistrigger policy they can't rush through so if they're just like if you go uh, attack with my Eldrazi and they're like block 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 and you're like whoa, 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 whoa you need to you need to sacrifice things no 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 I don't I blocked Okay, if they rush through it, then no. But if it's if it's like the calm, casual, I block here, I block here, and you go okay, and then you go oh yeah, annihilator. That's that's no good. That's missed at that point. Um, so, yes. So speaking of like weird stuff at the GP, you know what happens when uh, people are playing in their sealed deck events and they're playing like a two at a giant event? Like uh, I attack with annihilator, and uh, do I decide? who I'm annihilating? Does the player who's the like right head decide who they're annihilating? Who makes that decision? Uh, the, the person with the uh, Emrakul. The Emrakul? Usually the yeah. game's over. That guy's yeah. Well, <laughs> hey. Yeah. Or, or the Ulamog or the... Oh, Kozilek. Kozilek. Or I think there's a few. There's like a Pathraiser or something, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. So what's going to happen is it's not with like let's say it's annihilator 4 it's not going to be like okay you do 2 and then you do 2 pointing to the to each of uh battle cat and uh and milkshake sure. no you you point to 
Battle Cat or Milkshake, and one of those two cats has to sack four permanents. Okay. Oh, man. All that talking made me thirsty. <laughs> David, you want to you wanna talk while I'm, I'm drinking because I'm oh, so yeah, thirsty? Sure. I'm just used to listening. I feel like I'm in the middle of a Judge Cast episode right now. I'm just listening to it. It's really early. You know, it's, it's funny because Jess said he's had the opposite problem where if he lis- if he's not on the show and he listens to us, he keeps wanting to butt in. But <laughs> he's not here. That's pretty well, funny. he's probably in about a week from now. He's probably listening to this exact part of the episode, going, "Yeah, yeah I totally, yeah, hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> totally do that." So, bloodthirst. Bloodthirst is another returning mechanic that says, uh, if an opponent was dealt damage this turn, this card enters the battlefield with encounters on it, which means that like anything that has bloodthirst on it will get a little bit bigger and better if the opponent was already dealt damage. This can include combat damage or like a lightning bolt. Just any kind of damage, but not loss of life. So that would be like your sign and blood or uh, some other sign and blood like effect. <laughs> yeah, paying life. If someone has you pay life in the set, uh, those kinds of things. And while it seems an awful lot like a triggered ability, it's not quite a triggered ability. It's actually a replacement effect that occurs, uh, kind of like checks as the card is coming into play. So no one can really just respond to it. It just kind of happens. Of course, you can respond to the spell in the stack and you're going to kind of know that your opponent is kind of bloodthirsty or not yeah. before it ever resolves also yeah. uh phyrexian mana uh paying phyrexian mana with life oh, loss does not a, count yeah that's as, a good one uh, as something, bloodthirst. Something, spell skite something something spell skite, spell yes. skite. yeah we'll get to spell skite <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it doesn't have and then uh uh if if an object somehow and i don't think this is possible in uh in modern masters limited but if you have multiple instances of bloodthirst uh, they're each going to apply separately. All right. So uh, times are changing with that spell sky being introduced in Modern <laughs> Masters. What else do you think is changing? Well, we got changelings. Ooh, those are kind of changing in everything. So changeling is an ability from Lorwyn or Shadowmore or Lorwyn <clears throat> and Shadowmore. Nobody's and correcting Masters. me, so I'm close enough what? there. What? What? Oh, I it's said, also in Modern Masters. And... Yeah. I don't know what set lore, uh, Changeling specifically started in. Was it Lorwyn? Did it yes. carry through all of them? Yes. yes so. uh, no, I don't think I don't think it went. I thought it was just... I don't know how far it went, but I know that it was in Lorwyn because that's where Nameless Inversion came from. It's in it's in Lorwyn and, and uh, Morning Tide, but I don't think it's in Shadowmoor and Eventide. I don't the think internet it... tells the answer in a second. Yeah. You don't think Crib Swap? That's kind of a... All right, well, no, crib swap. Crib swap was one of the happy ones. You look at the art; it's like this little cooing baby changeling <laughs> thing. It's adorable, man. Of course, it's going to be in uh, <laughs> in Morning Tide Lorwyn. Well, yeah, changeling in Morning Tide and Lorwyn is an ability that uh, says um, basically it says this creature or this card is all creature types. Um, there are a few tribal cards with changeling. That's why you know it means a little more of that. But it just means anything with changeling has every creature type. Uh, this is important in Modern Masters because it means their spirits, uh, among other things. I'm sure there's other tribal synergies, but I've seen quite a few spirit cards because of the Kamigawa cards. I think the only synergy besides that is elementals. Those are kind of everything. Oh, yeah. There are a few elementals. Yeah. Um, uh, one important thing about Changeling is it's a characteristic-defining ability. So it defines the characteristics of the types. So what that means is it functions in all zones. Uh, I don't think Sponsire of Ulamog is in this set, but if it was, it lets you get Eldrazi from outside the game. And uh, if you had Changelings in your sideboard, 
you'd be able to actually get them because they are Eldrazi's even outside the game. And and even even things like Crib Swap and Nameless Inversions because they have the changeling, they have those creature types. So you can go get El, you know uh, Eldrazi cards or elemental cards. Those things count. Yeah. So if there's something that says search your library for an elemental card, you know, you can get the tribal cards or the creatures. Now you gotta be you gotta be a little careful and double check the re- the reading because sometimes they say search your library for an elemental creature card versus just a card. Do they? Yeah. Uh, sometimes okay. they really like to ruin the fun. I'll believe you. But sponsor of Lumaga is cast any number of Eldrazi cards you own, so that one would be yeah. good. Oh yeah, because you can get you... the only one I can think of. There's like an enchantment as well. All right. All right. Uh, so with without segue, we will talk about Convoke. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, we won't. Yeah, we will. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just, just, just a, a little bit. Just so, so, so Convoking is uh, it's a static ability uh, that functions while a, a spell with Convoke is on the stack being cast. What it basically means is uh, when you go to pay the costs for a, for a spell with Convoke, you can tap a dude... And get either uh, generic mana or a color of mana that is in that that creature is. So if you have a blue dude, you can tap him before uh, a colorless mana or a blue mana. Okay. One of the questions that's been asked that this comes up a lot is because there are these Eldrazi spawn colorless Eldrazi spawn tokens in the in the set, and the question is, well, can I? tap my Eldrazi spawn token and sack it for the mana, because all the Eldrazi spawn tokens let you sack to, to get a colorless. And boy, wouldn't that be awesome if you could, but no, wizards won't let us have any fun. <laughs> um, or, I mean, do broken things. Um, so the reason why you can't do this <clears throat> is because if you look at, uh, again, the steps to casting a spell, okay, uh, after you determine the total cost of the spell, then you have the ability to activate mana abilities, which is what the Eldrazi Sacrifice ability is. That's uh, a mana ability. Okay. Then, after you activate mana abilities, then you get to pay the cost, which tapping one of your dudes to pay for the mana is, is part of paying the cost. So your Eldrazi dude would be sacrificed and gone before you would have an opportunity to tap him. Womp womp. That's a bummer. It is a bummer. It evokes strong emotions in me. <laughs> me too. So evoke. Evoke is uh, two abilities. First, it lets you cast the creature for the evoke cost. And the second is, uh, after it's already been cast, is this triggered ability. That uh, happens when the creature with the enter the battlefield abilities... Uh, I'm losing losing where I was at. This is what happens when I have my own script. Ah. Shorthand notes. <laughs> so I, I don't know evoke off the top of my head. Uh, evoke is... Um... Yeah, like I mean, you said, so so cards with evoke have an evoke cost, right? Like Smold Drifter is the classic example. Um, oh, it and has, it's even in this set, too. It's even in this set. Look at that. Um, it has an Best evoke cost of two and a blue. Yes. And definitely not typing in Mold Drifter right now. And so and Mold Drifter has an enters the battlefield ability saying when it enters the battlefield, draw two cards. So what it, it normally costs four and a blue, and it's a 2-2 flyer. So you can cast it for its evoke cost, and if you do, uh, you sacrifice it when it enters the battlefield. So it gets a little but, triggered ability that says... Well, that seems horrible. 
but the evoke cost is cheaper than the regular mana cost. So basically you get to kind of use these guys as a spell or you can use them as a creature that also have a nice little spell ability. Okay, so I, I got a, I got a question. So I cast my Mold Drifter, okay, for its evoke cost. All right, I forget to draw my two cards. Okay, and I forget to sacrifice it. All right, I I complete brain fart. Okay, this is a Comprel event. What what happens? Okay, um, so some something has happened to move to move us beyond like when these things would have reasonably yeah, resolved. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, the drawing two cards, that's missed. And uh, I mean, we can ask the opponent if they want to put that on the stack, but they probably don't. The evoke is also missed, of course, the uh, sacrifice trigger, but that one is a generally detrimental trigger. Sacrificing your creatures is generally detrimental in my opinion. Yes. And uh <laughs> And so once again, we'll ask the opponent if they want to put it on the stack, and they probably will. So you're going to end up getting a warning for a missed trigger, and then it'll be up to the opponent if they want to put it on the stack. But I don't know. Maybe they have like a Rakdos charm, and they need you to have one more creature. Probably not. Probably not. No. <laughs> get rid of that. Get rid of that, uh, that mold drifter. But yes, yeah, so so what, what I specifically wanted to highlight is the evoke ability of, you know, if you pay... Uh, uh, when this and there's a battlefield, if you pay the uh, if you didn't pay the evoke cost or if you paid the evoke cost, uh, sacrifice it. That is a detrimental trigger. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't look those. like it's phrased that way on the card, but it is. Yeah, in the comp text. Uh, when this permanent enters the battlefield, if it's evoke if cost it's was paid. paid. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at the card itself, it says uh, <laughs> you just may cast it, and if you do sacrifice it when it enters the battlefield, it doesn't seem like a uh, trigger right there with the uh, way that it's written on the way at least yeah. the version I'm looking at. So that's so that's uh, one more case of, you know, hey, the flavor text or the reminder text on the card uh, doesn't always necessarily exactly mimic uh, the comp rules text. Yeah, yeah, that happens. So another thing worth mentioning is evoke is an alternate cost, um, but you are actually casting the creature even for the evoke cost. So it goes through the normal stuff. Someone could counter it or, or whatever they might need to do. Um, if something hypothetically had evoke and affinity, the affinity could lower the evoke cost. So other mana reductions or additions, there's a lodestone golem in the set, uh, you know, could alter the alternate cost of evoke. Yes. But, uh, that's about it. Uh, for Moldrifter, when it enters the battlefield, you will actually get to choose if you sacrifice it first or draw the two cards yeah the two triggers go on the stack at the same yeah. time but some of them some of the evoke cards actually have leave the battlefield triggers uh in which case you would sacrifice first and then get the leaves the battlefield trigger all right are there any in the set i don't know revelark maybe i don't think revelark's in the set that's the only one that comes to mind when i think of that hmm. so david talk talk about exalted for a second then we're not going in alphabetical order all right, exalted. Exalted uh, it's a, is not after evoke. I, we are going in alphabetical e order. E X E V. Craft. All right, so <laughs> exalted is a triggered ability. It's really simple. It's uh, if a creature attacks alone, it's going to get plus one plus one for basically every instance of exalted. Each one's going to trigger separately, and they're all kind of invisible, and they only really matter 
as soon as the person realizes that they matter. Uh, if they realize that they matter way too late, like the second main phase, then they might be considered missed. Yeah. Uh, of course, that might be no, that won't be any different anywhere else. So yeah, it's it's a pretty simple triggered ability. The creature's just gonna get plus one plus one, and they're gonna get boosted as long as they're like the only fighter in the fight. Yeah, exalted a lot is a classic. <laughs> classic uh miss trigger thing i i feel like the entire policy was written around exalted <laughs> sometimes uh spite bellows bt dubs uh it has a leaves the battlefield trigger okay just saying there's only three cards with uh with evoke well that's gray <laughs> okay <laughs> i want to i want to talk about graft one what we're talking about, talk about one yeah well a because it's my turn but okay. b because i love graft do you do you also hate playing on Moto? No. Why? Oh. What? Oh, because Graft is the, oh, the worst. I see it right here already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Graft, I, ha- I have a commander deck built around kind of plus one, plus one counter, so I have quite a few Graft guys in it. That's why I like it. Um, but Graft is uh, two abilities. The first is, So it always be written Graft in, and uh, the first ability means this permanent enters the battlefield with N plus one plus one counters on it. So graph two means it'll enter as a two two. And then it has a triggered ability that triggers whenever any creature enters the battlefield. Um, whenever any creature enters the battlefield, you can move one plus one plus one counter off of the creature with graft onto the other creature. Uh, this does not target, so it can get around shroud or protection or anything like that. Um, but it's just a trigger ability that lets you move one counter. You can't move more than one. Uh, for some, if you really wanted to, you can move it onto your opponent's creatures as well. Uh, I have reasons to do that in my commander deck, but I don't. I can't think of any good ones in Modern Masters, but maybe there's one there. Um, like I said, it doesn't target, so Hexproof, Shroud, Protection, we don't care one bit. Also, as a preview for what's coming up, a Graft plus Persist works very well together. Plus persist does work very well together. Yes, <clears throat> I think I was grafting enough nutshell. All right. Uh, so would you say that those counters are kind of like uh, a living weapon? No, I wouldn't. No, no. But you know what is? But you know what is like living weapon? <laughs> what living weapon? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so living weapon. Uh, you may. Uh, you might remember it from such cards as. Batter skull <laughs> and batter skull and batter skull and batter skull. and that one that you sacrifice to do one damage to something. I feel like people played that one a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> occasionally. Batter um, skull even in the set? No, no, but it was it was a GP promo for uh, oh, a mortar pod. Mortar pod, yes, that's yes. the other one I ever saw got played. Okay, so uh, batter uh, sorry batter skull. I was going to say <laughs> living. <laughs> it is batter skull. Yeah, basically uh, batter skulls rules yeah <laughs> State um that. so living weapon is it's uh on equipment um and it is a triggered ability um it's kind of cool that says when this equipment enters the battlefield put a zero zero black germ creature token on the bottle battlefield and then attach this equipment to it so what's what's kind of neat is ab- about this is so it's a great lesson on state-based actions because you are putting a zero-zero creature onto the battlefield for a little while and it's not dying. So what's happening is state-based actions are not checked in the middle of resolving spells or abilities. 
this is an ability that you're resolving. So it comes into play as a zero zero, and then you attach the equipment to it, and then the game checks state based actions. And well, all the living weapons uh, are set up so that the creature, once it once it puts on its its living weapon suit, its Edgar suit, um, it is going to uh, live. <laughs> Edgar suit. You know, <laughs> that reference is probably so old by this point. <laughs> Like, sadly old. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> okay. Green. Or water. Sugar water. Sugar water. <laughs> she says it weird. <laughs> Cement and black reference? Yeah. David? I don't oh. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that... Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um... So, yeah, so this is this is another... This is another trigger that has a visible component to it unlike exalted okay you're actually putting a dude into play uh so when you put uh your mortar pod down you need to put something down that represents your token if or your look at your opponent and just say this has a dude point to it or something and get him to it you know because it's Living weapons is, I know policy says specifically you have to perform the action, but living weapons are always in this kind of pseudo grayish area, or at least the last time they were played, where people would play like mortar pod and they wouldn't necessarily have the token, but they would just kind of like, there's a guy sitting here and it would be understood between the players. And if it's understood between the players that there's a thing there, then that's fine. But you can't just assume that if you play a mortar pod and uh, uh, you don't take any action or you don't talk to the player at all or anything like that to get them to acknowledge it, that you're going to have a guy there. Players really have no excuse on this one. Most In most cases, <clears throat> they could just take the sleeve off of the card and put it down as a token. Bam, instant token. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> or you could use a dice or a bead or something. Big thing is have a, do, do something. Okay. Or or be very, very clear when you cast it. It's like mortar pod. This mortar pod has a guy, doesn't it? And your opponent, yes, it has a guy. Okay, that's fine. But probably it'd be a lot easier to just grab a dice or a beat or something like that. All right. That was very persistent going over all the different ways that we need to represent that there's a token on the card. Yeah, it was. Oh, speaking of, of tokens on cards, we could talk about persist. Oh, okay. Okay. So whenever a creature with persist dies, well, persist is a triggered ability that says, you know, whenever this creature with persist dies, if it didn't have a minus one, minus one counter on it, then it can come back from the graveyard and you put a minus one, minus one combo on it or counter on it. Uh, it combos really well with graft as uh, graft will remove all the plus one, plus one counters. If the creature with persist comes into play and it'll get a plus one, plus one counter from that graft creature and its own minus one, minus one counter and something, something state based effects will make those two counters go actions. Oof. State-based actions, yeah. Do you say state-based effects on your show? Because uh, uh, that makes you part of the problem. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Anything that makes your job harder. State-based right, uh, actions. Yeah, SBAs. So the two counters will go poof, and then you've got yourself a fresh new creature ready to be more and more persistent as time goes yeah. on. At least until your living weapon counters go away. So, geez. Okay, I think we should talk about something that came up so many times last time. Um... With these minus, when we start mixing these minus one, minus one, and plus one, plus one counters, or uh, yeah, things like that, um, is let's have a hypothetical creature with graft two and persist. And um, 
let's say it dies to a 2-2 Wither, which we'll talk about in a second, but Wither puts uh, minus one, minus one. You deal the damage as minus one, minus one counters. So it has two plus one, plus one counters on it. It has two minus one, minus one counters on it. And we check state-based actions, and I'm like, okay, we're going to do two things. A, we're going to clean up these counters. B, we're going to kill the creature. The question will be, does it persist? Um, so this can really happen with, like, a... Uh, uh, I got nothing right now. <laughs> I don't know I don't know if they're, if that card that gives other cards persists is in this set. Um, There's, like, an anti-example, but it doesn't involve these actual yeah. cards that I can think of. Like, with the opposite of persist... The uh, Undying and yeah. Black Sun Zenith. Undying is a lot really, easier. That's when it really became really noticeable that yeah. this could occur. Um, but the point is, state-based actions are checked, and they kill the creature, and they annihilate the counters, and then the Persist trigger looks back in time and is like, well, when I last existed on the battlefield, how did I look? And if it looks then, it sees that it had two plus one, plus one counters and two minus one, minus one counters. So it had a minus one, minus one counter, so it will not persist. Yeah, this is uh, because those state-based actions are all checked and cleaned up at the exact same time. You can't pick and choose like I'll have these ones go first and I'll have these ones go second. Yeah. No, it's just all at once. Yeah, it goes from it goes from having having a mess of counters on it, some plus ones and some minus ones, and then in the graveyard dead. So when the game looks back, it looks back and goes, oh, I had some counters on it. So. Hey, before we before we move to proliferate, uh, I've been thinking a little bit where I, what I was saying about living weapon. Yeah, um, I don't think. I was remembering what was going on like the last time it was uh it was in standard. Uh I don't think our new changes to the mistrigger policy is compatible with the part where I was saying it's like, hey, if you you know, just put it into play, both players need to be very, very clear, even if you don't have a marker or a token or something like that, that there's a there's a creature there. Um that I would I would not run that specific angle because we did put the make the most recent policy change about having to do a visible representation exactly to avoid situations like um, you guys have acknowledged the fact that there's a, a or I say trigger or something like that and I don't put the token into play uh, and then later there's the combat and it's like hey. You, you forget that there's a guy there. Or is it there? Is it not there? Those kind of things. Oh, I didn't actually put it into play. It's meant there to prevent all that. So uh, don't run that angle. Uh, probably not safe and compatible with, uh, with the current policy. So okay. uh, for your living weapon, put a dude into play all the time, every time. The more you know. You have a sleeve. <clears throat> so let's talk about proliferate. So proliferate lets you... Uh, it's, it's an ability you'll see on some triggered abilities or on some spells, and all it means is that you get to choose any number of permanents or players and then put one additional counter on them of a type that they already had on them. So you can't be like, well, you don't have any poison counters because there's no infect in uh, in this set, and be like, I'm going to give you a poison counter. No, they have to have already had some kind of counter on them. Um, one thing about proliferate is they, your opponents don't get to know who or what you're proliferating before the spell or effect that has proliferate resolves. So if you're casting... Um, there's a card in the set we'll be talking about a little bit later, but it says target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Um, proliferate. Well, almost certainly you're going to proliferate that minus one, minus one counter, but your opponent doesn't get to know that ahead of time. They don't get to know if you're going to proliferate somebody's persist counters, for example, or your own plus one, plus one counters, or your planeswalker. opponent's planeswalker. Are there planeswalkers in the set? Yeah, they're Karn. Oh, yeah, Karn. We're going to talk about them later. Tezzeret. We are going to talk about them. 
Um, but yeah, they, they don't get to know. Um, if they say the spell or ability to proliferate resolves, they can't re, you know then respond once you try to uh, add another minus one, minus one counter to one of their creatures. So proliferate does not target. You just choose any number of permanents or players. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, you only get to put one additional counter on of something that they already had. So say a creature has a minus one, minus one counter and a feather counter. You can only put one more <laughs> minus one, minus one counter on that creature or one more feather counter on that creature. What is you and your hipster counter types? <laughs> I like feather because there's like two cards that make them and usually it's not a, it's, it's not a unique counter. Um, anyway. Maybe a charge counter? Yes, fine charge. You know, you know what else you could proliferate? Some some counters put on through Wither. Yes. Yeah. All right. So Wither, Wither oh, is. Hold on, hold on. Oh, that was a segue. <laughs> ah. I was like, wait, turn? I thought I already it said. It was Brian's that. turn. I don't care. Hold on, I'm looking at what counters go on orification. Ooh. Yeah, and I apparently I can't spell orification. Whenever a creature, I have a really old version of this. Whenever a creature deals damage to you, put a gold counter on it. Yeah. I don't know if that's counter. still true anymore, but. Yeah, each creature with a gold counter on it uh, is a wall in addition to its other types, so it probably means defender nowadays. And when Orification leaves play or is put into the graveyard, uh, remove all counters from all cre- all gold counters from all creatures. Yeah, so it's it, gold it counter. It takes the bling with it. That's even more valuable than your stinky feather counters. I think there's a few gold tokens. Makes mana. It's pretty cool. Yeah. There, yes, there's guilds and stuff like that. All right, Wither. A. Um, so... Here, here's Wither is kind of a cool ability. It's really mean. It was from uh, it was from Shadowmore. It was supposed to uh, developmentally. They said it was uh, supposed to be kind of like this this lighter, happier, more friendly version of damage. But <laughs> it ended up feeling really, really mean. So what it means is uh, it's a static ability that says, "Hey, when a uh, when damage is dealt to a creature." Uh, Wither deals the damage to that creature in the form of minus one, minus one counters. How is that uh, happier and lighter? The damage well, never was, goes away. Well, it was supposed to be like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't kill it. It just, it just makes it a little bit weaker. Oh, it's still there. Oh, it's for stone damage. <laughs> it's fine. Don't. And well, they probably realized that it felt meaner very quickly. Um, but uh, 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 so what that. What that does, it does not affect uh, what happens to players. Okay, that's the difference between Wither and Infect. So, so Wither and Infect both interact the same way, really, when with creatures. But when you're dealing with players, uh, no, uh, Wither works normally. Um, so, uh, Wither functions... Uh, no matter what uh, zone the object is in. So if you have somehow uh, something with Wither dealing damage from the graveyard, well, it's going to do be doing Wither damage. Um, it's still damage, so you still have lifelink. Uh, lifelink still applies even when it's dealing uh, damage to a creature. Um, and then if a persist creature uh, blocks a Wither creature... Uh, it's going to die, and uh, it's it's not going to persist because when it dies, it had the minus one minus one counters on it. Womp womp. Presuming yeah. that yeah, so this is this is die. this is one of the the neat things when you're talking about damage, like like uh, all the there's like three steps to dealing with damage. So you can go back and listen to our Halloween episode. 
think it was a Halloween episode or a, oh, a spooky <sighs> combat phase. I don't think it was spooky combat. We did one where we each picked like our rules topic to go over and I picked over I picked uh, combat damage. But there's but there's three parts to that. And one of them, the last one is uh, uh, or sorry, the second step is the damage gets converted into the results. And this is where the damage that's getting done would be either the either converted into minus one, minus one counters or damage marked on the creature or life loss or anything like that. So uh, go back and listen to that episode, which I can't remember the number for. CJ will have to find it and put in the show I notes. I legitimately don't remember doing that episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I am reading the, the show notes for Spooky Combat Phase, and it's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> so um, also, before we get into single, single cards, um, uh, some other stuff that's returning is Hybrid Mana which shouldn't shock anybody what that is that's been around uh it's in standard like right now so yeah uh monocolored hybrid mana um which i think the the only thing that's that's special about that is so so the the monocolored hybrid mana it'll say like two or a white as opposed to like a blue or a white um the only thing that's really fancy there is uh, if you cast a spell or something cares about its converted mana cost, you use the two. So if something costs, uh, uh, what is it? Is it Spectral Procession? Is that the 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 one that's yeah? That they call three the, tokens. the three tokens for yeah. So two so white, it's, two white, two white. yeah. So it's comprised of uh, this following symbol three times. So it's two or white. That's the 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 monocolored hybrid, and it's got that three times. Its converted mana cost is six. Two plus two plus two. It's not three. It's not two plus two or, or two plus one plus one or any of that other crazy math. It's you just take the max of each symbol, in which case that's two, two, two. So add that up, that's six. I could see someone incorrectly coming up with the answer nine. Uh, yes. And as you said, that would be incorrect. I mean, but I mean, if you look at a spell that's like one blue, one blue white hybrid, you're not going to say it's converted mana cost is two. <clears throat> so anyway, and uh, Phyrexian mana is back, and Phyrexian mana is <clears throat> uh, mana where you may pay two life instead of uh, that particular the the colored mana. Uh, you make that determination when you are making choices regarding the spell, and then you pay it when it is when you are paying. Uh, paying costs for the spell. All right. Cards? Yay, cards. And we might rush through this a little bit, although not as fast as when we had Matt Tayback on because we really had to rush there or we were going to lose Tayback. Um, but this episode's already getting a little long. So many abilities. It was a lot of abilities. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> David, it was would you say it was your Bane? Uh, Fire? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I could say that. So Banefire, are we talking about that next? Yeah, go yes. ahead. Banefire is a sorcery from the set. The The important thing to note about this uh, well, is what the card does. It's kind of like a fireball. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing to note is what the card does. Yeah. <laughs> next, you, uh, moving on. Next. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, guys. And, uh, so it, it deals X damage to target creature or player. Uh, I mean, you can read that for yourself. If uh, X, though, is greater than five or more, this is the part you can't read for yourself, i got to tell you. Uh, it can't be countered by spells or abilities, and the damage can't be prevented. The prevented part's pretty cool. Uh, something that's really important to note, though, is that it can still be countered, 
by game rules, such as if the target becomes illegal. I mean, but then then again, what is it going to hit anyways? And uh, the damage not being able to be prevented is really cool with creatures that have, like, protection. Well, it's not cool for the creatures that have protection because well, it can get well, through them. Uh, uh, yeah. So so here's the here's the 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 thing. If if it gets protection, so if you try and bane fire a we'll say silver knight. Oh yeah, can't even yeah, target it to begin yeah. with though. So you yeah, would never yeah. it gets it gets count well you, you or sorry, you let's say you target a creature, that creature gains protection from a red after banefire is already on the stack. Okay. Once that happens, it's the game rules that counter the the bane fire not yeah, the ability i'm thinking of more like massive damage not just specific damage to one target yeah, yeah. but yeah that bane fire wouldn't be able to hit that protection but that is that is a situation where you would look at it and you'd be like oh but but damage can't be prevented my spell works and you're like uh, uh no because there are some spells in this in this set that give things protection at instant speed yeah so let's talk about daybreak coordinate with a picture of milkshake on it. Uh, so it's a it's an aura and it says enchant creature with another aura attached to it. And it says enchanted creature gets plus three plus three and has first strike, vigilance, and lifelink. That's pretty sweet. You know, you know what I, I call this card now? Because what? of the artwork. I call it fifty points for Gryffindor. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> what? Sure. I mean look at it. It's it's got the Harry Potter scar. Yeah, yeah it is Harry Potter scar. <laughs> Um, when you cast it, when you cast it, you have to go fifty points for Gryffindor. Oh God! Now we're gonna. Hear, oh, I guess we won't hear this at Vegas because this will come out long after that. It's coming out tomorrow. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean or today the, to the people this, listening to it. Yes. <laughs> Whenever you listen to it, that's when this audio is released. Hey man, we ain't fancy YouTube, man. We got we got <laughs> lightning fast turnaround times. Yeah. Okay. Is the turnaround really really quick? Yeah, it will literally be out tomorrow. That was not a lie. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it'll... Damn it. That's kind of the point of the, this episode is for Vegas. Um, okay, so it says... The important part here is it says enchant creature with another aura attached to it, which is a very odd thing. Um, so one thing to note is say you uh, enchant a creature with... Um, I don't know, what's any other aura in the set? Yes. Yes, so a card has Chromanticore attached to it. Because <laughs> that's the first R I can think of. Okay. Uh, it has White Ward attached to it. <laughs> Chromanticore is the first R you can think of. Yes. Um, uh, uh, Splinter Twin. A card has go. Splinter Twin attached to it, and then you attach Daybreak Coronet. That's actually really good, because we can talk about copying a little bit, too. All the eggs in one basket. <laughs> yes. Um, and then someone destroys Splinter Twin. Well, Daybreak Coronet, it has this uh, this clause that says, hey, I can only be attached to something with another R attached to it. So as a state-based action, it's going to fall off. Just like if it just said Enchant Creature and the card stopped being a creature, it would fall off. Like, it's it's state-based actions are always going to check that that quality. Along the same lines, if, uh, if Daybreak Coronet enters the battlefield through some means other than it being cast... Then that's a hundred points for Gryffindor. Yeah, you could do it with Oblivion Ring. Um, it can, it could only attach to something that already had another R on it. So that that's that breaks the um, the targeting rules. Targeting rules. Yeah, you don't target when something enters the battlefield with when an R enters the battlefield without being cast. Um, but 
it's still not going to really work out for you. It doesn't come in briefly and then detach. So if you had a situation where two Daybreak Coronets were entering the battlefield at the exact same time, you couldn't try to just squeeze them onto one creature because neither one could actually attach yeah, it. So if they were coming from the graveyard, they would just stay where they are. Womp womp. Yes, but what kind of sealed pool are you running with two Daybreak Coronets? A good one. Uh, bad one. No, I don't know. Bad, bad one. I was going to say, actually, this car's not good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's why you also get points. Uh, you get, you get, uh, if you win with Daybreak uh, Coronet, you get uh, uh, 50 points for Gryffindor for sheer dumb luck. <laughs> eh? It's, it's more Harry Potter. I got it. I'm going to milk that. Or like when they gave it to Neville for like nothing. <laughs> What's up with that? They just needed to. You know, oh, you stood up to your friends. Oh, Neville, here you go. I think such a scam. And if, like, if I was Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw, I'd be like, what? Come on. We're I doing know. lots of great things, too. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you never hear about them because uh, Hufflepuff, right? Right, right. Um, <sighs> but, oh, the fix was in. Dumbledore was just, oh, he had his favorites. All right. Electrolyze. <laughs> All right. Speaking of favorites, I love yes. this card. Uh, so it's one blue and a red one, uh, so three total for an instant electrolyze. Uh, electrolyze deals two damage divided as you choose amongst one or two target creatures and or players. Draw a card. So it says deal two damage as you choose amongst two target. Well, you're going to choose one and one. But um, <laughs> so uh, steps to casting a spell. Uh, when you uh, target, you're going to say, I'm going to target. I'm going to target that you know, creature or creature one, creature two. Um, you're going to declare those targets. You're going to choose how to break up the damage, but you don't have a whole lot of choices here. If you choose one target, it's getting two. If you choose two targets, they're getting one each. Um, and then uh, what happens is uh, when the spell resolves, it's going to dr you're going to draw a card. However, <laughs> if you have one target, it's going to take the two damage and that target goes away for whatever reason. Um, uh, the spell is going to be countered and you do not get to draw a card. If you have two targets and only one of them goes away, well, the spell still has a target. OK, so it's still going to spell still going to resolve and you're still going to get to draw a card. Now, one other neat little thing here is if they have Karn and you really want to shoot Karn and shoot the player, uh, you, you can't do that. You can't do one to the player and one to uh, one to Karn, because what's happening is you are targeting the player, and then you're choosing to redirect the damage. So you can't break that up. That's sad. Yeah. Uh, it's also similar to, to Grim Affliction, which is a card that has you put a minus one, minus one counter on things, and then proliferate, uh, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature, and then proliferate. If that creature goes away, then you don't get to proliferate. This one is a little more dangerous because if you try and draw the card uh, after the spell, after the, the, the target for the spell has been uh, rendered moot, the spell's countered and you just drew a card when nothing told you to draw a card. And at competitive REL, that's a game loss. That sounds like an Elish situation. Uh, oh, it is. I love the show notes for this. So I can actually read this card. It's in Phyrexian Mana. Oh, wait, I can read Phyrexian. Okay, so Elish Norn <laughs> and Cenobite. Cenobite. Uh, Cenobite? Oh. Like a is that, that's, a, that's a breakfast cereal, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a seven mana legendary Praetor. Is that, am I saying that right? Praetor. 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 Okay. Yeah. Praetor. 
pretty works sure you don't, a, works at the mall it. food the mall food court. Yeah. Okay. We a, turn your head sideways. You can read the power and toughness. It's a four seven. Uh, she said to turn her head sideways to get through doors. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it has vigilance, but the really important parts are that all of your creatures become four fours, and all of your opponent's creatures become uh, or not four fours. Uh, what the hell? What am I saying? What am I saying? All oh. your creatures get. I'm, I'm mixing up the show note. It, okay. Naturally, all, all of, your, of your creatures are bear cubs, so therefore, yeah, so yes, they will get four four. They, four. All, they all get plus two, plus two, all of your creatures. And all of your opponent's creatures get minus two, minus two. So uh, the, I love the little show note here, which says uh, if you clone it, it'll kill a bunch of four fours. For this, because uh, for an instant, all of the creatures will get minus two, minus two from one, and minus two, minus two from the other. State-based action, state-based action is not effect. Thank you. We'll come around. And uh, see that you have two legends out. We got to fix that. But then we'll also see a bunch of creatures with minus four, minus four, and anything that's too weak for that will both get killed at the same time. So one legend will have to be dispatched, and all those four fours or weaker will just go away. You know, what else makes things go away? Uh, a and really big, big Getty monster. Fifteen mana. Fifteen, fifteen. And Not what the- you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. <laughs> Not the highest mana cost creature in Magic, though. Uh, people always forget about old Draco. I think it's Draco. Oh, Draco it? Malfoy. Yes. Come on now. Yeah, Draco. Ten points for Slytherin. Emrakul <laughs> uh, has a lot of text, and I think we'll cover pieces of it here. First off, first piece of text. Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn can't be countered. Um, I think a lot of people think this means that a counterspell can't target it, which is not a true statement. Counterspells can target it, um, and they'll even resolve. So if it's like counter target spell, draw a card, and you ca- you target Emrakul, um, maybe because you're really desperate at this point and you want to draw a card, uh, you will still get to draw a card. The spell will just do as much as it can. It tries to counter it, and Emrakul's like, nope, can't be countered, sorry, buddy. Uh, and then the spell's like, draw a card, and I'm like, okay. So, next line. Whenever you cast Emrakul, take it extra. Yes? Real real quick. Uh, If you have a quote-unquote counterspell that exiles target spell... Yes. Mind break uh, trap. Yeah, that is not... uh, That's not countering a spell, although it effectively does the same thing. So, uh... Yeah, that'll work. Just Um, Just a distinction there. Ending the turn will also work. Uh, you'll particularly want to do that because Emrakul also has, when you cast Emrakul, take an extra turn after this one. So one thing to note is on these big Eldrazi Titans, they all have cast triggers, which means that the trigger is going to happen and go on the stack and resolve before the, uh, the we call them Titans, the Titan itself actually resolves. Um, for Emrakul, that's fine. Like, you don't have to really do anything to say that that's going to happen until you actually untap for your next turn. Um, is Kozilek in this one? Yeah. So Kozilek and um, Ulamog, I can't remember which is which, but one destroys target permanent, right? You need to announce that trigger the moment you cast whichever one that is and decide your target before moving on, or you might miss your trigger. And the same with uh, the one that lets you draw four cards. Uh, you know, you need to be like blah trigger you know and then obviously give your priority before you draw four so this is so this is something the the one that lets you draw four cards i think that's kozilek um if you look at the so technically the way it's all supposed to work is it's supposed to be you cast kozilek then you draw your four cards then kozilek resolves however um it's really really hard to tell 
Like when you just put a Kozilek down on the battlefield or you put it down, you know, is it on the stack? Is it on the battlefield? Which is it? That kind of thing. Um, so there's an actual clause in uh, uh, there's there is there is a thing called out of order sequencing. So if you cast Kozilek, OK, and then draw your cards, you know, cast Kozilek, put it on the battlefield and then draw your cards. Well, you're. The opponent's not going to be able to argue, um, hey, he drew cards at the incorrect time because there is out of out of order sequencing is a thing. You're not going to convince anybody that they forgot to do that. There's also a clause in uh, drawing extra cards that states that it's not drawing extra cards if you resolve items in the on the stack in an incorrect order. And I believe that clause was added specifically for uh, uh, both Kozilek and say horizon or horizon spell bomb yeah horizon spell bomb was a big one yeah yeah so all right well let's discuss the next line of emrakul <laughs> flying protection from colored spells annihilator six so flying annihilator six is fine protection from colored spells so first off um once again some people might be like well why do you need that if it can't be countered um or why does it have can't be countered and that's because abilities only work while on the battlefield unless that makes no sense. So Emrakul the Island's Torn can't be countered. Obviously, that works on the stack because it wouldn't make sense for that to be on the battlefield. Um, but these other abilities, they only work on the battlefield. So it means that while Emrakul is on the stack, she can be targeted by um, colored spells. That's not a problem. Uh, another important thing to note here is what exactly is a is a you need to know the difference between a colored spell and an ability. So Emrakul, while on the battlefield, she couldn't be Doombladed or you know any anything that targets her directly like that. But she could be exiled with Oblivion Ring because the thing targeting her in that case would be an ability, a triggered ability off of Oblivion Ring. Yeah. Um, so here, here's a, a, a neat example. Uh, it's, again, not a card in Modern Masters, but there's a card called Seal of Doom, okay, that says uh, it's an enchantment that says sacrifice Seal of Doom, uh, destroy target non-black, uh, I think non-black non-artifact creature, or maybe it's just non-black creature. Um, it's basically dark banishing only as an enchantment. Yeah. Uh, so you can't dark banish a Emrakul, but you can Seal of Doom it. Yeah. Pretty much the exact same wording uh, on the on the uh, the uh, the ultimate effect or the ultimate ability, but one is a colored spell and one is not. And the last line of text on this novel that is Emrakul: When Emrakul is put into a graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library. Um, so this triggered ability is actually policy-wise considered generally detrimental. And that's because if you were to remove this ability, Emrakul would get better. And uh, this one confuses people because sometimes these Eldrazi's are, are used against uh, mill-type decks to prevent yeah. you from losing. I'm playing it for that ability, yeah. so it's, it's not detrimental, right? But in general, that ability is on Emrakul specifically to depower Emrakul so that you can't reanimate her yeah it it would be so much better if you could reanimate this thing <laughs> yeah she's not good enough already yeah Ooh. so i'm gonna let david take guile because he wanted it he, he oh. talked about adding it oh okay 
Plus, it means you have to talk about card, and that's funnier to me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh. So, Guile. Guile's a character from Street Fighter, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yes. All right, excellent. Sonic Boom! <laughs> so, Guile is this six-mana, six-six, uh, elemental incarnation. It, it looks like... Uh, the imagination creature from that Disney ride that he just went really imaginative and became this big monster. Uh, he can't be blocked except by three or more creatures. That's not that great, but it's kind of important. And if a spell or ability you control would counter a spell, instead exile that spell, and you may play that card without paying its mana cost. So that's the kind of important part. Uh, if you were to counter something, say with a remand, it would instead just be exiled. You would still draw a card off of remand. And if you wanted to cast that thing, you would have to do it like right then and there. You couldn't wait until like your next turn and be like, okay, I'm ready to cast that spell. So you kind of make that decision then and there, not at all. And then uh, the final line of text on it is when Gala is put into a graveyard from anywhere, shuffle it into its owner's library. Hey, so it's also detrimental. Yeah. Also detrimental. Yes. Um, yeah. So the weird thing about that ability you were just saying is, let me re- double check it here. So we control counter spell and say XL that spell and you may play that card up. Um, yeah, you, like so in your remand example, you actually have to cast a spell before you even draw a card off a of remand. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you. When we say cast it now, we mean because now you, re- you replace <laughs> that whole line of text that says counter with do this whole thing instead. Yeah. Now that doesn't and, mean it'll resolve now, but you're casting it now. Yeah. Uh, another thing I noticed when we were talking about Emrakul is if uh, you had a guile out and you tried to counter an Emrakul. Emer- uh, Emrakul is not actually countered, so you would not be able to get the whole replacement effect of Guile. Because oh, yeah. Guile, Guile only applies if it's actually being countered. That's a good point. Alright. So, Karn. Karn. Okay, so Karn liberated. Uh, uh, Karn is also a target of many, many uh, food and drink puns at uh, SEG opens throughout the country. Um... I've heard him called like Karn Carbonated and stuff like that. Oh. Yeah. Um, this is a Planeswalker uh, for seven mana. Uh, starts off with six loyalty. Has three abilities. Uh, the first one is a plus four ability that says target player exiles a card from his or her hand. Uh, the third ability or second ability is a minus three ability that says exile target permanent. Um, and the last ability is a minus 14. Uh, that says restart the game, leaving in exile all non-aura permanents exiled with Karn liberated. Then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. Yes, okay. and that's yes. the line we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> so so, so, the, so the plus four line or the the first line pretty pretty straightforward. The 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 minus the the second ability, the minus three ability is is also pretty straightforward. Uh, they are linked to the last ability. Uh, which is restart the game, leaving in a pile all car- all in, in exile, all non-aura permanent cards exiled with Karn liberated. Um, so, what does it mean to restart the game? Ugh. Literally <laughs> restart the game. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, it's it, for something so self-explanatory, it's not. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, so there's like so, really only one important thing that's different. Yeah, so so what you players are going to do is you're going to restart, you're going to shuffle up, you're going to reset your lives to 20, uh, you're going to shuffle up, leaving in exile um, the uh, the cards. Only uh, the that permanents, were... right? Yeah, only yeah. the non-aura permanents. Yes, leaving in exile all non-aura permanents exiled with Karn. 
Um, and there's a reason the the aura stuff is because it gets kind of weird with uh, what the auras can can enchant. Yeah. Right. So uh, we, we talked about that a little bit with uh, with uh, fifty points to Gryffindor. Yeah. Um, so the person who played Karn. So what's going to happen? You're going to shuffle up. You're going to make all your mulligan decisions. If you have any ley lines or anything like that, you're going to put those. You're, you're going to put those on the the battlefield if you so choose. Uh, the person who activated Karn's ability is going to get to go first. That's or the big difference. The, yes, gets to make that decision. Uh, really, the big difference is if you get deck checked. <laughs> you shuffle up for this game and you present to your opponent and you get deck checked. Be sure to tell the judge <coughs> because the judge, the judge is going to be like, hey, you've only got 56 cards in this deck. And you're going to be like, well, um, you see, Karn. 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 Shenanigans, strategies, I love it. Have you guys ever actually restarted the game with Karn? No. Uh, I have quit when the game got restarted with Karn. Because I'm like, it was miserable because he hadn't, uh, he, he, uh, he'd exiled, he actually did not have any, uh, non aura permanence. He just exiled a bunch of spells from people's hands. Um, so when he restarted the game, it was literally restarting the game. Yeah. We just quit. I've done it a couple times, actually. Uh, one of the most interesting parts was when uh, a player of Pod went infinite in life and he was like, so I guess I win. And I'm like, no, give me a couple of turns with my Emmer Cruel. Let's see what happens. And eventually I got to Karn and just restarted with a big 15-15 in play. <laughs> so. Woof. 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 Okay, so here's here's one of the, the neat little things. Um, any of those permanents that you put into play with Karn's ability, if they have Enter the Battlefield triggers, they're going to go on the stack uh, right after your untap. What? which you don't necessarily have anything that got untapped. Like, when do you actually do anything uh, uh, right after you're untapped in a normal game? This is awesome. So There's one or two recently that came up. Uh, what is it? The one that says whenever creature untaps, get a triggered effect. Yeah. From Darrow's block. Inspired. Yeah. And then they get held over until the upkeep. Well, this one, yes. The the You're describing the, the triggers. Yes, all the inspired stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's some other stuff for multiplayer, like uh, in commander games, you get your commander back in the command zone. Yeah. Uh, you lose all your poison counters and all the emblems go away. Yeah. Uh, the number of times your commander's been cast gets reset to zero. All, all basically that kind of stuff. And for the purposes of reporting that match on your match result, uh, it didn't happen. Wait. Yeah, I mean, you're still in the same game. <clears throat> Yeah, for the for the purposes so. of the tournament, you're still in the same game. Yes. But for the purposes of the card, you're restarting the game. Yeah. Okay. So so if you're up if you're up one zero and you're playing game two and you restart Karn, yes, you are beginning game three. But when you are reporting the match, that is the air quote second game. Right. So I exiled that Emrakul. Right. Um, can I attack with it? It started uh, the turn on your side. Yes. Boom, 15. So it does not have it does not have summoning sickness. Right, exactly, because it was put out before the turn actually started. Yes. So. Um, and the other thing is I had to double check this for these competitive events, but if you're in turns and you restart the game, so let's say it's turn three and you restart the game. And you're in 
bad word that CJ <laughs> edited out. But well, it's it's gonna be okay. Would say. Honestly, you probably sped up the game to be honest, because if you're in turn three, you restart the game. All the cards together. It's your turn again. Um, now you're in turn four because you're starting a new turn, but it's your turn. So now you're in turn four, and you keep playing from that point. Scooping so. up cards becomes much quicker. No, but I might be able to do it. Hey, if maybe. you got that Emrakul, maybe. Yeah, if you have yeah. the Emrakul, maybe. And yeah, turn no. Three. So, I mean, let's let's be. I know there's some podcasts that that encourage you as like, no, play to the very end. <coughs> but uh, uh, you know, your opponent might make a mistake. Like, yeah, they might, but <clears throat> when they're turn five and you're turn four and you can't kill them and you know they can't kill you, <clears throat> just, hey, do you want to draw? We can go do something else for the few minutes while they turn around, turn over the round. Yeah. We we can take time to de-sideboard. Let's, let's do that. Let's not, let's not battle till the very end when it is hopeless for either of us. If they could make a copy of themselves, then they could get all those things done and then still play out turns. Oh, like Kikijiki? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let me talk about Kikijiki. Um, Kikijiki has haste and has tap. Put a token that's a copy of target non-legendary boo creature you control onto the battlefield. That token has haste. Sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step. So... I want to once again point out that non-legendary clause. Kiki-Jiki is not a way to get two Emrakuls or two uh, Elish Norns or anything like that. Most of the cards we've talked about, because they are all legendary. I think you can get two Guiles. Yeah, you can have two Guiles if you want them. Yeah, well, only if you control the first Guile. Only if you control the first Guile. Yeah. Or you're playing that Street Fighter where you can change out the characters in between. I don't know which one that is. <laughs> I don't know. Um... So this has all the normal copy stuff, right? You don't copy any effects on that card, any counters, stuff like that. So if, like if it's a persist creature, right? Um, you're not going to copy the fact that it has a minus one, minus one counter on it. Um, if that spell had X in the mana cost, then X is zero. So there's Apocalypse Hydra in this set. Um, any Hydras generally doesn't work with them because you're going to enter with no counters and it's going to die immediately. Um, if for some reason... You make this token copy of one of your own creatures and your opponent gains control of it. It's very weird because it won't be sacrificed at the end of turn. And that's because the instructions on Kiki-Jiki say are telling you to sacrifice it at the beginning of the next instep. But you can only sacrifice things you control. If your opponent controls it, then you can't sacrifice it. So they actually get to keep the token indefinitely. Uh, once again, don't know if this can happen... Uh, or the token will stay around indefinitely, I should say. Um, I don't know if this can happen in this set, but if it does, there you go. Uh, another little quirk about this card is if you clone the token. So you have a Kiki-Jiki out. Let's say, let's go double mythic here. You have Kiki-Jiki out, uh, and you copy your bear cub. So you get a little haste bear cub. And then you play another Kiki-Jiki, and Kiki-Jiki has haste. And then you copy that bear cub. Oh, that doesn't work. Well, the point I'm trying to get at is if you clone <laughs> the token, the the copyable characteristics of that token are that it has haste because that's how the token is created. So that's actually copyable. Um, but you won't, if you uh, clone the token, you actually won't sack it at the end of the turn because that's not 
that's not part of the uh, characteristics of the token. Yeah, that's yeah. not an ability on the on the creature. It's like any older thing where you copy <laughs> over the characteristics that a clone puts on itself or puts on the thing that it's itself after copying whatever. It's the same thing. You're just the token got the characteristic of hey, you know, you have this extra little haste caveat. You know, I, I this actually reminded me of one thing I wanted to mention um, about Emrakul again. Because I mentioned how she has abilities that don't work except for um, on the battlefield. But then earlier, Brian said that Wither works even from the graveyard. And I don't want someone to email us and be like, hey, what gives? So Wither actually has a line of text in its rules text. It says specifically that it works in all lines. But in general, I'm sorry, it works in all zones. But in general, abilities do only work on the battlefield. Unless that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it makes sense for Wither to, to work. Uh, yeah, it does. Graveyard. But yeah, totally. If you can, if you can make it happen. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense because it's written in the comp rules that yep. way. That's why it makes sense. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. So uh, on to Shiny ET. Shiny ET, yes. mirror entity, <laughs> is a uh, two mana 1 1. It's pretty exciting. Three mana 1 1. Three, oh, three mana 1 1. Yeah. <laughs> pretty exciting. Uh, it's a changeling, so it is an ET, and it's also whatever else it's reflecting. So it could be a bear cub, bear, it could be uh, an Eldrazi, it could be an elemental, which are probably the most important things we want to talk it's about. Not an aardvark. Not an aardvark. Ant- anteater, anteater, sorry, you're right. Anteater. My bad. I think it's a starfish, that's pretty cool. It is a starfish. It is a starfish. It's also sand. It's a splinter. And a, and a noggle. Prism, okay. I think. I, I don't know. Uh, and the most important part about its effect An is that assembly it has- worker. Yes, assembly dash worker. <laughs> yes, assembly dash worker. It's very important that dash. It's all one it's, thing. It's a hyphenated last name. <laughs> so the uh, the meat of the effect is it has this activated ability that has the cost of X. And you just pump a bunch of mana into it. And it says, until end of turn, creatures you control have base power and toughness. Ooh, they added that onto it. Of XX and gain all creature types. So whatever you pumped in for X, they're all going to become whatever the heck you pumped into it. So your your two twos will become five fives if you pump five, if you pump five into it. Your five fives will become five fives. Your Emrakul will become a five five. Everything just becomes that. Uh, anything that enters after this effect occurred will not get Mirror Entity's awesome ET touch, and they'll be whatever they are normally. Uh, any effects that modify power and toughness past that point such as, like, Giant Growth or Wither Counters, uh, those effects are going to modify on top of the whatever you put X to be. So those 5.5s five with Wither Counters will be 4.4s four or 3.3s, three depending on how many counters they have. Um, and this overwrites effects that are, like, characteristically always defining themselves, such as, I don't know, the really, really rare one in the set, Tarmogoyf. So uh, Tarmogoyf would be normally, I don't know, maybe a 4 or 5, because that's usually what he's sitting at, depending on how many cards are in the graves and what they are. And if you made it a 5-5, five, five, it would just completely overwrite that, because of the order in which we apply these continuous effects in the layers. Hey. Did I, did I talk about all the things? Yeah. Can I put you on the spot, though? Uh-oh. You might yeah, not sure. know the answer to this, but can you tell me why they don't just gain Changeling? Why do they gain all creature types? Mutavault does this, too. Ooh. Uh, why? Yeah because i mean i guess there's a, a rules reason for why i'm uh i don't really know so changeling is an ability right gaining all creature types isn't so gaining changeling would apply in layer six ah, after see. the creature had already gained all uh after the types layer right 
So it doesn't work within the layers. You have to gain all creature types so that that way it works in layer copy control text yeah. type four. Um, instead of, yeah, if you, if you had them gain changeling, it actually wouldn't work at all. Very cool. All right. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it is cool to there's me. A, there's a fundamental reason for it. So I didn't intend to talk about Tarmogoyf um, because I think everyone knows how <laughs> it works. However, I do think we should talk about, let's say you have a creature in your graveyard and you have a Tarmogoyf out, so it's a one-two. And you electrolyze it for two damage. Oh, uh-oh. I think we should talk about that real quick. You know, that might actually happen. Cause I think yeah, that's, that's, about as, that's about as big as they'll get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want me to take that one? Or yeah, go, go ahead. All right. So, yeah, this is this is that old lightning bolt Tarmogoyf thing. I, they were, we're using electrolyze since why not? <clears throat> um, where if you try to deal two damage to it, the effect is going to do everything that it can, which is deal two damage to it. And then the last thing that any spell or ability does once it's finished resolving is go to the grave. And then after that, we're going to check state-based actions. By the time we get around to checking state-based actions, we say, hey, isn't that a crispy Tarmogoyf? And Tarmogoyf is already kind of like munching down on that electrolyze, and he's like, nope. So <laughs> he suddenly become a 2-3, and he survives. Cool. A little singed, but, you know, still good. Still good. Hey, Brian, don't you yes. um, handle the Judge Necro Twitter? Yes. <laughs> okay, I wasn't yes. sure. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna actually talk about this one, and I'm gonna talk about the next one too. Okay, you can. Okay, because because we've already kind of talked. So Necroskitter is one black black for one four elemental that has wither. Uh, we had talked about that, and has the ability that says whenever a creature an opponent controls with a minus one minus one counter on it dies, you may return that card to the battlefield under your control. Um, so things to things to remember. Uh, since both Graft and Wither are out here, again, it's possible for a creature to die with both plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one counters on it. If it does, uh, even though those counters didn't didn't have a chance to explode themselves, uh, did die with a minus one, minus one counter on it. So you do get uh, get that creature back. Now, yeah, that's it a says, much better example than my made up one. What your example? This is much better than what I tried to. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, you just need this creature in a graft one. Yeah, basically. Um, so it also says it's whenever a creature, uh, an opponent control dies uh, with a minus one, minus one counter. It doesn't care who the who the creature belongs to from a, from an owner perspective. It's So if they take your creature and it dies, it's going to go to your graveyard, but, it, but the ability doesn't actually care about that. So that's kind of neat. Necroskitter, he's, he's, he's bros. He's he a cool is. dude. He looks like a cool dude. He is, and he's got he's got a four toughness. So I'm kind of surprised he, he's not a horror. He's just an elemental. Uh, they I don't think they were in horrors were in that set. Uh, he's just a really dark elemental. But Brian, what about changelings? Oh, huh. <laughs> what about them? That's that's every time you try to say anything. If you try to say, oh, no cards have been printed that are sapperlings, and then someone's like, well, what about changelings? They're saprolings, and it's like, okay, guy, come on. Well, those guys, those guys are just jerks. <laughs> are you want to talk about Oblivion Ring? Yeah, so Oblivion Ring, I'm bringing this up. Uh, so this is a, a templating that they have moved away from uh, recently, and we can see the new templating on things like uh, Banisher Priest. But this one right here, Oblivion Ring, we're going to go over this because people are going to accuse you of cheating <laughs> if you somehow do this. Which is why right. they changed the template. <laughs> Which is why they changed the template, yes. So uh, Oblivion Ring has two triggers on it. 
Uh, it has a when Oblivion Ring enters the battlefield, exile another target non-land permanent. Okay, so when this when this hits the table, you can say that and point to uh, the Emrakul because huh? it's uh, not a, a colored spell. Correct. Um, and say, hey, exile, exile that. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, Oblivion Ring also has another ability that says when Oblivion Ring leaves the battlefield, return the exiled uh, card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Now, normally, this is, I lay Oblivion Ring, I exile something, that thing hides in the Oblivion Ring or is locked in the Oblivion Ring for some period of time, and then the Oblivion Ring goes away and releases the uh, the card that's under it. However, uh, with stacking triggers, there's this thing called the Oblivion Ring trick. And it is a little confusing. So here's what here's how it works, what it is, and so you know that people aren't cheating on you. <clears throat> um, you cast the Oblivion Ring. You target when it enters the battlefield. The trigger goes on the stack. You target your opponent's Emrakul. Okay, with that trigger on the stack, you bounce your Oblivion Ring, you disenchant your Oblivion Ring, you do something to get rid of your Oblivion Ring, you sacrifice it via some some spell or ability. Okay, um, it leaves the battlefield, is then going to trigger and go on the stack on top of the enters the battlefield trigger. So remember, it hasn't resolved yet. So now, when Oblivion Ring leaves the battlefield, which it just did, return the exiled card uh, to the battlefield under its owner's control. Well, it hasn't exiled anything yet. So nothing comes back, so that ability resolves and does nothing. Then we do the next ability that's on the stack, which is the enters the battlefield ability, which is going to exile that Emrakul. So now the Oblivion Ring is gone, and Emrakul is exiled, and there's nothing to bring him back. And this feels like such cheats when you don't understand what's going on. Sounds like cheating or witchcraft. It does sound like a little bit like witchcraft. Um, But this is this is why they've switched to the templates uh, for things like Banisher Priest that says, you know, exile as long as because it it, that new templating completely shuts down this this trick. You know, when I read the show notes, I thought you were going to talk about the other Oblivion trick, Oblivion Ring trick. What? Uh, drawing the game. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> fine. So, well, one thing before we touch on that, because fine, we have to talk about it now, is um, well, I don't one thing to. is you do have to understand the trick in order to do it. You can't just be sitting at the table and being like, well, I, and I'm like, I got Oblivion Ring out, I got Disenchant in hand, Oblivion for, Ring trick. This to, is for the previous Oblivion Ring trick, not the one that we're probably yeah. about to talk about. Uh, you can't just be like, Oblivion Ring trick, to exile your guy forever and then your opponent's like well what is that and you're like nah, i don't know i know it's possible <laughs> judge cast <laughs> like, that it could happen yeah you actually have to ex- describe what you're doing or you're not gonna be able to do it so the other oblivion ring trick is if you somehow <laughs> set up a board state where uh the only things that exist are oblivion rings three oblivion rings um and lands then you have no choice but to have each one exile 
the whichever yeah. one just came back in so, or whatever. So yeah, so you have an Oblivion Ring that has exiled an Oblivion Ring, and then you play the third Oblivion Ring. It starts this loop of nonsense <laughs> that only that only happens when people actively try to make it happen. I think uh, it happened once to LSB on like a yes. on a stream, and that's when all the magic players in the world were like, "What?" Put yeah. Sure. So. <laughs> Yeah, so if you have a sealed pool with three Oblivion Rings in it, you're probably doing fine anyway. Yeah. All right, Pillory of the Sleepless. Yeah, what are you doing exiling another Oblivion Ring? <laughs> and they're not being a creature on the battlefield. What's going on with that? What could be their Oblivion Ring that was exiling sure, your thing? Sure. And then your sure. thing died, traded in combat. All right, Pillory of the Sleepless. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack or block. I see why uh, Daybreak Coronet's so bad. <laughs> Because, like, you're not putting Daybreak Coronet on this guy. No, there's the enchantments <laughs> in this set. The auras in this set are awful. Um, I get, we should mention that Oblivion Ring, even though people treat it as an aura, it is not an aura. Um, it, I'm trying to think if there's... You're correct. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything that can pull itself out of exile in this set, and I don't think there is, but... Um, I mean, let's let's look at what the auras are in this set for Daybreak Coronet. We have, okay. we have Arrest, That's which... Good. Uh, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not gonna <laughs> be putting Daybreak Corner. We also have Goblin War Paint. Okay. Narcolepsy. Okay. Which is narcolepsy. which is okay. We have uh, narcolepsy, which which no. We have Pillory of Sleeplessness and Splinter, Splinter Twin. Twin. So really, wow. your only two options are Goblin War Paint and Splinter Twin. That's really and bad. Probably Goblin War Paint is the only real choice. Hmm. So, awful. Pillar of the Sleepless says Enchanted Creature can't attack a block. And Enchanted Creature has, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life. So, Battle Cat is playing against Biddy Kitty, and Battle Cat casts Pillar of the Sleep Sleepless on Biddy Kitty's Kiki Jiki. Um, fighting words. Fighting words. <clears throat> but it doesn't matter because you don't attack or block with Kiki Jiki. Anymore. Yeah, you don't, but whatever. Uh, so what's going to happen here is they're going to call a judge because Baby Kitty's trying to be a scumbag and being like, well, that's not my trigger. I don't have to remember it. And Battlecat's going to be like, yes, it is. And uh, they're going to call you over. And the question is, whose trigger is this and who is responsible for remembering it? So even though it's Battlecat's Pillory of the Sleepless, it grants the triggered ability to the enchanted creature. Presumably, you're always going to cast this on your opponent's creature. Therefore, it is always the opponent's responsibility to remember that trigger. Even though it's not their card that made it the trigger exist in the first place, uh, the trigger is on their creature. And so they have to remember it. They cannot purposely try to forget this trigger or miss it. Yeah. And you don't want to GRV for that or miss trigger. So. Yeah. Obviously, this one's also generally detrimental. So that's actually different from the narcolepsy thing in uh, that I was bringing up. Uh, in that the the responsibility of narcolepsy is actually going to rely on the person who controls narcolepsy, where pillory pillory of the sleepless is going to rely on the responsibility of the player who controls the creature that was enchanted. Because narcolepsy, they don't gain that ability; it's just a triggered ability yeah. that belongs to the control of the aura. Yeah, and narcolepsy reads at the beginning of each upkeep if enchanted creature is untapped, tap it. So yeah. that's just part of the aura, whereas yes. pillory is part of the creature. So the responsibility for that mistrigger is going to lie on the player who controls narcolepsy, unlike with Pillar and Sleepless, where it's going to be the responsibility of the creature who was enchanted by Pillar. Okie dokie. So. All right. Let's let's 
tackle Spellsky as a team. Yes. All right. Spellsky, I... Oh, it was the worst. Were you just, like, starting out in Judge Cast and Spellsky without... Because I remember answering so many questions about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I still get questions to this day. Yeah. Spellsky spell, is... The, probably the most complicated stack I've ever had to had to deal with involved uh, a spell skite and a whole mess of like guy was playing infect mm-hmm. with all, all the pump spells and he just kept casting the pump spells and his opponent just kept redirecting them with spell skite and the guy wasn't quite understanding what was going on so he just kept kept casting more and more and more of them. And the guy just kept redirecting, 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 like everything was in response. So the stack had 16, 18 things on it. And then when they got there, they just kind of looked at me and was like, what do we do now? And I'm like, uh, whew, <laughs> no pad for this. So oh. Spell Sky is a two mana zero four with with an ability of, of Phyrexian blue. And it says change a target of target spell or ability to spell skite. <clears throat> Um, so the number one question you as a judge will get with Spellskite is, can I Spellskite X? And yeah. the answer to that is always yes. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not the question that they wanted to ask. Yes. But that's, that's uh, so yeah, so, so you can, if it, if it is a spell or ability, okay, you may activate Spellskite and target that uh, target that spell or ability, and say, "I want to change its target." Activate. Doesn't even have to have a target. <clears throat> doesn't have to have a target. Doesn't even make sense. Doesn't even have to be a target that is going to a spell or ability that is going to do anything when Spellskite's ability resolves, which is the kick in the pants. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the specifically one of the big ones I get asked is when someone goes to equip, and they ask. Can I uh, target that activation uh, with with Spellskite? Yes. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. Then wait yeah. around for the ensuing mistake. Yeah. yeah. And you say like, I mean, yeah, if they ask if they ask a direct question, but normally it's like, is there is there a rules interaction you're specifically curious about? Okay, that right there, judges. That's your that's your magic phrase. Yeah. So yeah, the what, deal here is. Gone. Sorry. Spellsky has to be a legal target for that target, or nothing happens. Um, so, the same way if you cast, um, I don't know, destroy target land, right? Can Spellsky target that? Sure, but it's not going to do anything after Spellsky resolves. Um, so, another more complex <laughs> option somebody is living the dreams and they have Goblin War Paint on a creature. And they cast Daybreak Coronet, targeting that creature. Um, Spellskite, once again, can you target Daybreak Coronet? Yes, you can. But will it do anything? No, because Spellskite is not a legal target for Daybreak Coronet because Spellskite is not enchanted. Now, if they put Pillar of the Sleepless on your Spellskite, then yes, now it would work. Taking that, uh, that last example even further... If Spellskite was enchanted with something and they were trying to put their Daybreak Coronet on one of their other enchanted creatures, you could target it. And then Spellskite's ability, assuming it would resolve, would resolve, um, changing the target to Spellskite. Now you've got that aura waiting to resolve and go on to Spellskite. And if you somehow made the uh, aura on Spellskite completely disappear, then it would become an illegal target for that. And it would just go away as it would try to resolve instead. Yeah. So. 
the other thing is Spellskite changes individual targets. So Electrolyze is a big one I hear with this. Um, so say someone is electrolyzing two one ones, and that player also controls Spellskite. The question I hear a lot is, can I change uh, both of those targets to Spellskite? You can activate it twice. <laughs> yep. Okay. It'll but even then... do something once. <laughs> right. It'll do something once. But when they go, when it goes to, uh, when it goes to resolve. Okay, and that electrolyzed because it was the spell was chosen to have two targets, and those two targets have to be distinct. If you change one of those targets to Spellskite, you cannot change the second one to Spellskite. And going a little bit further, Spellskite already is a target. I mean, you can continue to target the spell or ability even if it's already targeting Spellskite, but it can't take the other target away and put it onto Spellskite because he's already a target of the spell or ability. Yeah. How many times can we work the word target into one target, 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 target. Well, we're about to talk about Agony Warp, so <laughs> a couple more. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing about Agony Warp is it says target creature gets minus three, minus zero until end of turn, and it also says target creature gets minus zero, minus three until end of turn. Uh, Agony Warp is one of these weird cards that can actually target the same creature twice, and that's because there's two separate instances of target creature. Uh, if you compare it to Electrolyze, um, what is Electrolyze's wording? That makes like a sense? target one, and then up, another up target. One yeah. or two and another target. Yeah. So yeah, Agony yes. Warp can actually target the same creature twice. So if Agony Warp is targeting two of your creatures, and you're like, nope, I want to pay four life and have them both target Spell Sky, that actually does work. Yep. Does work. Does work. All right. I think that's. I think that's good for spell sky. Anyone got anything else there? Um. No. No. That's most of them. Mostly, I hear that electrolyzed one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I, I hear the. I hear the, the the equipment one. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. Uh, particularly, we got living weapons around. I'm sure players have a million other questions that we're just not yeah. thinking of. Sorry, David. You want to talk about vines of basswood? Uh, all right. I saw this one a lot at the modern PPTQ I played in. I don't get to do that very often. Uh, Vines of the Vastwood. It is one green instant that uh, says target creature can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control this turn. It also has kicker for one green. That's additional cost that you pay as you're actually casting the spell. And the rest of its text says if Vines of the Vastwood was kicked, that creature gets plus, plus, plus four, plus four until end of turn. So the neat thing about Vines of the Vastwood is if you were to target, say, your opponent's creature with it to say that it couldn't be the target of spells or abilities your opponent controls, then even though that sounds an awful lot like Hexproof, it isn't. So the creature suddenly can't be the target of spells or abilities that the player who controls the creature controls. Because you said that it couldn't with your own Vines of the Vastwood. So that's a nice way of, like, turning off cool things. Maybe stopping Splinter Twin from enchanting the creature. Yes. So if I try and cast it, if I try and cast a spell on my guy, and then you hit it with Vines of the Vastwood, well, then it can't be the target of spells or abilities. Your opponent, you, the caster of Vines of the Vastwood. So I'm your opponent. I can't target my own guy. Yeah. Yeah. This is crap. You should be thanking me. I gave it Vines of the Vastwood. That's great, right? By the way, this one shows that we didn't even color, cover every ability in this set. Because <laughs> there's Kicker, Multi-Kicker, and Metalcraft, at least. It's um, too many. The Metalcraft is just an ability word, so... Yeah, it's it's kind of neat in some of the, the, the things that it does. Like, there's that one card where... Ah, never mind. <laughs> so, Brian, you wanted to talk about Tezzeret and Blink Moth? Yeah, so this is... Never, take us this out? Is, this is this is never going to come up in sealed. 
I say never. There's going to be 10,000 people at Vegas. It could very well happen. <laughs> um, so uh, what I wanted to talk about. So this was uh, an interaction that that got happened that that was asked a lot uh, back during Scars of Mirrodin block. And a similar interaction uh, is happening here where we have uh, Blinkmoth Nexus and uh, Tezzeret the Seeker. So Tezzeret the Seeker, who's in this set, has an ability that says artifacts you control become 5-5 five, five artifact creatures until end of turn. Um, our Blinkmoth Nexus says uh, Blinkmoth Nexus uh, becomes a 1-1, one, one, has an ability for one mana. Blinkmoth Nexus becomes a 1-1 one, one, uh, artifact creature with flying until end of turn. It's still a land. So if you activate Blinkmoth Nexus, it's going to become a 1-1 one, one artifact creature. Uh... You may then, if you activate Tezzeret, <clears throat> it is going to become a 5-5 five, five, uh, artifact creature until the end of turn. Actually, was this... Am I it remembering? Was, it was I the other Tezzeret. Yeah, the other Tezzeret made it last forever. And that's uh, that's what I was thinking of. Can you guys As... hear that in the background? No. Okay, there's a car alarm going on. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, I started, I started reading this and I was just like, I was like, where's the permanency? This is supposed to... <laughs> This is supposed to be a lot. Yeah, this is Tezzeret Agent of Bolus is the one that I was thinking of, where it uh, says target artifact becomes a 5-5 five, five artifact creature, and that was a permanent thing. This scenario is a lot less interesting. So, yeah. Yes. so you're, uh, you activate your Blinkmoth Nexus. It's a 1-1 one, one artifact creature. You activate Tezzeret. It becomes a 5-5 five, five artifact creature with flying. It's still a land. <laughs> so you can still tap it for mana. Cool. Not yep. if you played it that turn. What's that? Not if you played it that turn. The Blink Moth Nexus. Yes, if you did play it that turn, it's summoning sick. You you can't tap it for mana. All right, so that was the last card we we're going to talk about. Um, as far as news goes, I don't think we have much. Did we mention Sophie Pages as a new level three? Uh, we did. We just did. All right. So congratulations, to Sophie. Um, from. Europe. Europe was as far <laughs> as I was able to narrow it down. Oh, okay. Hold on. Give me give me a second here. We'll get this. I'll let you do that. Uh, obviously, we're going to be skipping emails yet again. Um, the normal, I do that all the time. Yeah. The normal promise applies not know where people were from or skip emails. Uh, yep. Grenoble, France. Oh, like, like uh, Andre the Giant from Grenoble, France. That's my Andre the Giant. Is that your Under the Giant? Yeah, I'm sorry. I know one wrestling fact, and that's it. I just remember him from The Princess Bride. So Anybody want a peanut? Yes. There you <laughs> go. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be skipping emails, but... So, do you did you see that WrestleMania where where Andre the Giant fought Jake the Snake? Because Andre the Giant was scared of snakes, and Jake the Snake's big thing was he had a big python oh. and brought down <laughs> to the stage. Yeah. I think that was, I want to say that was WrestleMania 3. Listeners, look that up for us. Let us know if that was, which which uh, which WrestleMania was the one where Andre the Giant fought Jake the Snake. And also post your, how impressed you are with me. For I don't think any of our listeners were alive back when that happened. Noble France. We, we have, we have, we have some older listeners. Okay. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. Brian <laughs> and Brian's mom. Oh. <laughs> What? <laughs> what did you just, why are you gonna bring my mom into this? Your mom doesn't listen. No. 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 She called Jeez. before the show. She called before. Uh, she called right before when we started to record, and I was like, "Hey, mom, I can't talk. I'm, I'm doing the podcast." And she's like, "Oh, you're listening to a podcast? And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm recording my podcast." And she's like, 
you you have a podcast i was like yeah yeah well i thought i thought she loved you but i I guess i was mistaken no no. and then and then when when it was wrapping up she told me okay have fun playing radio (laughs) (laughs) all right judge cast playing radio (laughs) judge cast playing radio uh all right if you want to email us you can at judgecast at gmail.com you can follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us fine like us on twitter twitter.com slash judgecast david yo thanks for being on with us today and helping us out through through the uh, release notes yeah it was fun would you like to plug your projects once more uh yeah i mean i don't think it's a real project but uh (laughs) there's judge's corner if any of you want to take over let me know (laughs) um (laughs) all right i'm hearing i'm hearing video judge cast coming uh, hey, maybe. Uh, I've got to oh, get Brian on the show a couple times, but he just was... never has time to go. Face made for radio. Uh, <laughs> I think the episodes for... would take like three hours and Richard would have an aneurysm. <laughs> he, he would. He's he's way too structured. He'd be like, I want this script. And I'd be like, what is this script? No, what is script? <laughs> no, I would actually tear the script up on camera. <laughs> So yeah, there's uh, there's Judge's Corner with Gathering Magic, uh, sponsored by Cool Stuff. I guess I have to plug that as well. Sure. And you can reach me at uh, Judge's Corner at GatheringMagic.com. And I did find my Twitter. I have a Twitter. It's at uh, DGreenMTG. That's uh, green with an E at the end and all one word. So uh, I might post more from there. And if any of my listener or any of the listeners here uh, have emailed me in the past week or two and I haven't gotten back to you, you'll get an apology like the last couple of weeks and I'll probably get back to you tonight or tomorrow. And I think that's uh, that's all my plugin. Yeah, I should read it. The G- the uh, judge cast policy is we will always reply to your email, but I, we are not always going to reply quickly. Yeah, I the last month and a half has been super hectic. I ended up switching jobs, and I used to work a night job, so now I'm working a day job, and it's like I hiss at the sun and I burn a little. Yeah, that's- yeah. All right. Uh, does anyone have anything else they want to talk about before we wrap so- this bad boy up? So we had we had one where we were talking about reply. So we had one guy who asked a very complicated rules question, like one of those ones where it's like, here's five cards that'll never never interact with with each other. And my reply was, um, well, I'll tell you what, you you answered you you try and answer this question, and then we'll tell you you know if you got it right. And he's like he's like, oh, I see how it is. So he answers it, and it's yeah. this big long thing. And I sat down. And I made an earnest effort, and it, it has like it has like six possible scenarios depending on how you order the triggers and stuff like that. And I got through two of them, and I kind of got kind of lost interest. So yeah, it's 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 in the queue. I've gone through two of the six. I just have to find a certain day where I hate myself enough to go through uh, <laughs> scenarios three, four, five, and six. We, we um, don't hate you, <clears throat> listener. We we just hate ourselves enough to want to read no i mean really what happened was he asked the situation and i was and i and i called his blood you know i was just like i was like oh you want me to look at this you answer it make an attempt and then he called my bluff yeah try that you guys have regulars like people who just constantly email you yes yes okay i've got those too so (laughs) i'm gonna try that on one of the regulars next time that sounds like a really fun idea yeah well it's the same thing where we go well how would you change policy to fix that whatever thing you're complaining about but that's then, just a cop out for I don't I don't want to get into this conversation. Well, it's a cop out for you can't change policy to fix whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and they won't try. They just want a magical fix. 
Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll actually argue where they'll, well, they'll come up with something and I'll be like, ah, but you see, changing that has this consequence. And they go, oh, well, then I'll try this. And I was like, well, changing that has this consequence. Mm-hmm. And eventually they, they get frustrated and they go away. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you once again for being on with us, David. And thank you to all our beautiful listeners for listening, even if we don't always reply too quickly to the emails. My name is CJ Trader. I keep it fair. My name is what? David Green. I keep it interrupting Brian. Wow. 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 Wrong. Come out swinging. Yeah. And I'm Brian Frillin, <laughs> and I play radio. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so here here is one one bit of advice, Mr. Green. Listening. S- slow down a little bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> if I start getting fast, like I guess say something and then make what's his face edit it out. Well, CJ, no, make well, CJ edit it. No, out. what I'm gonna say is, uh, is like, is your mic okay? Because it's it's like playing like you're a little faster than normal pace. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my god. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Because when I talk on the phone, it talks like this. I don't know. I've got the thing plugged in. Can I talk about the other thing plugged in? I can <clears throat> try something else. You want me to try something else? Here, I've tried something else. How's that? Playing. Well, I mean, you need to keep job. talking if I like, oh, well, what do you want me to say? Hi, I'm David Green. Uh, uh, <laughs> judges Corner, Judges Corner, Judges Corner. One, two, three. How was that? Is that good? Perfect.